It's a joy to be here with you today. I, I do send greetings from my wife, Cindy, and our family. Uh, would have been nice for all of them to be here this weekend. But uh, our, our family's in the process of going east and west and uh, scattering across the continent, really. We had the privilege of having all six of our children uh, home for approximately 24 hours this summer. Um, and uh, that was when they were all here. We've still got the two college students uh, with us through Tuesday evening. And Wednesday early, they catch a flight out of Detroit uh, on their way back down to West Coast Baptist College. And I was thinking about it this afternoon. I, I shared a fair amount about our ministry this morning. So maybe share a little bit more uh, about what's going on with the family right now so you can pray for them. Uh, Caleb, our oldest is uh, beginning his third year of uh, teaching uh, high school down at Liberty Baptist Academy in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, pray for him in all of that, but also pray for he and uh, his fiancée, Lizzie. She's a Singaporean national, and they have been trying for the last year and a half uh, to get her uh, a visa to come over so they can get married. And so uh, right now they're applying for the fiancé visa. If it doesn't go through this time, they're, they're actually thinking about getting married in Canada and staying in Canada. So you might pray about all of that for them. Um, you know, neither of them believed in long engagements. They've been engaged a year and a half. So, uh, you know, they're, they're anxious to get on with life, right, as, as you can imagine. So pray for Caleb, pray for Lizzie. Uh, of course... You see Reed all the time. We're thankful for Reed and, uh, you know, that he is serving the Lord right here at MIBC. And uh, we couldn't be more proud of, of Reed and uh, uh, how he serves the Lord here. And then, of course, we have our two college students. Uh, Aaron will be entering his sophomore year. And Renee will be entering her senior year at West Coast. Uh, Renee spent the summer down in Miami leading up a group of 11 girls in Jewish outreach, just like you had a group here with the Jewish. Uh, I think there was, what, three or four in your group. There were 11 girls in her group, and uh, she was the group leader, and she survived. So, you know, we're all thankful, a great answer to prayer. Um, and, and then um, Hannah. Hannah is taking on the world. I mean, this year she graduated from high school. She's gotten her driver's license, and she's now working at Tim Hortons. So praise the Lord, I get a 20% discount. <laughs> and um, she's saving up all of her nickels and dimes for Bible college next year. So uh, pray for Hannah. And then Joel, who turned 12 in March, uh, he has grown probably at least six inches since you last, well, not since you last saw him, because I think he did visit here this summer. Uh, but since we left, and he's a big, uh, big, strong guy for 12 years of age, and uh, he has matured in a lot of ways, spiritually and intellectually and socially, and so we're really thankful for the progress that Joel's been making, and um, my wife and I, you know, as we think about it, we'll be down to the two kids again a year from now. Hannah will be off to Bible college. It'll just be the two of us and Joel, so pretty soon... You know, we're staring down the road at that empty nest. And uh, pray, pray for our family. We appreciate that uh, so very much. You know, one of the things that I really 
uh, miss about MIBC is the special music. You know, uh, appreciate that special this evening, Shirley. And our hearts were always blessed through the years by the, the ministry of our choir, ministry of our special music, the talented musicians that uh, God uh, has uh, given to this church. And that's a gift. By the way, that is a gift from God. And so uh, we really do miss that. Uh, Pastor Alcock said to me uh, this afternoon, he said, now, you won't have a large group in the auditorium tonight because you've got the VBS going on. So, you know, we, we might be down to 40, 50, whatever. I said, I said, brother, that's a big group for me anymore. I travel to a lot of small churches. So, you know, this is a crowd, and uh, it's exciting uh, to be here. Now, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles at this time to the book of Matthew. We're going to just stay in Matthew uh, here this evening. Matthew chapter number 26 and uh, verses 55. Well, let, let's back up a few more. Let's, let's begin reading in verse 47, why don't we? And we'll read down to verse 58. All right, so the text is Matthew 26, verse 47, down to verse 58. And you can follow along. I'll read these verses out loud. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves, from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. And we all know who that was, right? That was Peter with the sword in his hand. Then sent Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place. For all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, Are ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off under the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now, there's a phrase in verse 58 that says, Peter followed the Lord Jesus afar off. And I'd like to speak to you on that subject tonight, following afar off, or we could say the dangers of an indecisive discipleship. The dangers of an indecisive discipleship. So let's go ahead and ask the Lord His blessing upon uh, not only the reading of the Word tonight, but the preaching. Shall we pray? Lord, we 
are so grateful, Lord, for the opportunity to be here uh, with Pastor Alcock and his family and the church family here at MIBC this weekend. We thank you for what you're continuing to do in this place. Uh, thank you for the uh, great reports we've heard today of, of souls being saved and uh, folks lined up for baptism and church membership and people serving you through various ministries, the Vacation Bible School. And, and Lord, we pray that the greatest days would be yet ahead for this dear church. And uh, Lord, that you'd use them and you'd uh, unite them as they strive together for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Lord, we pray that you'd bless our time here this evening. Bless your word. Speak to our hearts, Lord. Uh, please, um, Lord, tailor the message for each one of us. Lord, you know our needs and you know what's going on in our lives at this very moment. And so that you'd help us, Lord, in, in a practical way that even as we go out to our responsibilities this coming week, that these truths and your word would impact the way we live our lives. And so we'll thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so we see that Peter followed afar off. And something strangely contradictory about that statement, if you think about it. Following implies closeness, doesn't it? But afar off. It bears a striking resemblance sometimes to the reality in many people's Christian walk. And it is the life of inconsistent, unempowered Christianity. It is a diminished discipleship. It is an indecisive sort of discipleship. It's this middle-of-the-road approach to following Jesus. We're not... All the way out. You follow? But neither are we fully in. A fence sitter, in a manner of speaking. Donald Gray Barnhouse was a great preacher and theologian of the earlier part of the 20th century. And he describes an experience he had. He, Dr. Barnhouse was actually an experienced uh, mountain climber, and he did an extensive amount of climbing in the Swiss and the French Alps. Uh, on one of these excursions, he was roped together with some very experienced climbers, and as they were scaling a difficult uh, peak, one of these Frenchmen, who was also the son of a pastor, um, gave sound advice to Dr. Barnhouse about scaling the mountain. He said, you have two hands and two feet, and that makes four. Always be sure that three out of the four are firmly on the rock. It is the only rule of safety. And that's a good rule, isn't it? And just like that, we must make sure that our hands and our feet are firmly upon our rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. Not indecisive about it, because there's a great danger if we uh, don't pay attention, if we're not focused and, and following Jesus as closely as we ought to be. Peter ended up 
denying Christ. Think of that. His indecisive discipleship took him to that point. One who had only moments before defended the Lord Jesus with the sword. One who had previously said, Lord, everyone else can forsake you, but you know what? I'll die with you. And we're quick to criticize Peter, you know, but Peter had a lot of good things. He had a lot of redeeming qualities about his life. Uh, he was the impetuous one. He often spoke before he fully thought of things through. But you cannot uh, argue that Peter, Peter had some zeal about those things. But he came to a point where he's following Jesus afar off. We criticized Peter, yet, you know, the other disciples weren't really much better, were they? They were all cowards. In fact, verse 56 says all the disciples forsook him and fled. Peter, at least following afar off, the others turn around and head in the opposite direction. Every honest believer tonight knows that at times he or she has run from the possibility of embarrassment, ridicule, or mockery because of our association with Christ. We've truthfully, we've sometimes been ashamed to be associated with Jesus. Ashamed to stand and speak for the name of Christ. And I'm telling you, dear friends, that's an indecisive discipleship. If that's the fruit of our lives, we're following afar off, just like Peter was. Now, notice in verse uh, 58, Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in, and it says he sat with the servants to see the end. And I just want you to think about that, that last little phrase in verse 58, to see the end. To see the end? Listen, if Peter had been following Jesus as he ought to follow him, he would have known this could not be the end. Because Jesus had prophesied of his death, but he had also prophesied that after three days, he'd rise again victoriously. If we, like Peter, are following afar off, think of where that leads us. Not in a position of confidence and comfort. Not like our sister sang, trusting in his word. It leaves us bewildered and disappointed. It leaves us defeated. It leaves us compromised in our Christian testimony. And so as we look closer at this scriptural account, I want us to see the three components of the story. I want us to look closer at the disciple. That's Peter. Then we'll talk a little bit about the distance between him and Christ. And finally, we'll go a little further into the passage and look at those denials And how, after those denials, the Lord tenderly and compassionately brought Peter back to himself. And the end of the story, of course, is a victorious disciple. One who God greatly used in the early days of the church. Let's talk about the disciple, Peter. Can you identify with Peter tonight? Oh, yeah. I think we all can. Uh, Peter seemed to invariably miss the point 
of what Jesus was saying or doing at particular times. The Lord had to explain to this disciple again and again that what was happening was part of God's perfect plan. Are we like Peter in that way? Do you, do you ever, when, when, when you're in that place of understanding God's will for your life and confidence in his provision, and, and, and it just seems like you're on a mountaintop spiritually, and you're like, you know what, I know that God has a plan for my life. I'm excited about tomorrow. I'm excited about this next week. Praise God, I have an opportunity to serve him. And you just pump. And yet, in a few short days, you can be at the other end of the spectrum. Have you ever experienced that? I mean, it seems wild, that, that swing. And How can that happen? Well, you know, like Peter, we get our eyes off the Lord. We start following afar off. And we don't have the confidence that we ought to in the Lord's perfect plan. You know, Peter, Peter at this time thought he had to take matters into his own hand. Man, he took that sword when he, when he swung and took Malchus' ear off. Do you think he was swinging for the ear? I think he was swinging for the head. He was looking to decapitate the guy. You know, and only the mercy and, and uh, sovereignty of God prevented Peter from being a murderer at that point. And Jesus compassionately uh, healed that man's ear. But in that, in that moment, and those that followed, Peter was not an efficient or effective disciple, was he? He was looking to carry out the will of man rather than the will of God. Think about it. Jesus had just come from Gethsemane. What had he prayed there? Not my will, but thine, Lord. And by his actions, Peter was saying, not thy will, but mine, Lord. What characterized Peter at this point of his discipleship, just prior to denying the Lord? What are some of the marks of an indecisive and ineffective discipleship? Well, we see that Peter spoke and acted hastily, too quickly. Uh, Peter had made some grand promises, had he not? Look at verse 33 of Matthew chapter 26. He said, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. He was overconfident. He was boastful. And maybe he saw himself as a little bit better than the rest. Be careful if you ever get to that point. Thinking, you know, Lord, you should be glad that you have me for a disciple. You know, I'm not like the rest of them. And we engage in some spiritual backpatting. That's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. On the Mount of Transfiguration, over in Matthew 17. We just look at the one verse there, Matthew 17. And uh, verse, verse number 4. Here was Peter, James, and John, the inner circle of the disciples, as it were. They were up with, with Jesus in the mount. And there they uh, encountered Moses and Elijah talking with, with Christ. And verse 4 says, Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and 
One for Elias or, or Elijah. Wow. Peter had some mountaintop experiences. But Peter's tendency and his default was impulsiveness and oftentimes impatient responses to circumstances. He was living and acting out his Christianity in, in the here and now. He didn't have a long-term view of it. You know, God has a plan not just for your tomorrow. He's got a plan for the rest of your life. And so, you know, sometimes that involves some disappointments. Sometimes that involves some things uh, not panning out quite the way we had envisioned them. But let's be careful. Because if we really believe that God's in control, that's all a good thing. How many would agree with me tonight? It's a good thing that He is God and we are not. Amen? And He'll always do right. He'll always do right. He will honor His Word. You can trust in His Word. All right? Let's, let's not be guilty like Peter of speaking out and acting too quick, quickly and living our discipleship in the moment because then it, be, it, it can vacillate wildly. We can have these great swings from, from, from uh, the mountaintop to the deep valley. We can be so confident that we're going the right direction and the next moment we're in the, in the pits of despair. Let's remember God's in control. It's a good thing He's God, and we're not. We can be impulsive in so many ways. How we spend our money, our reactions to circumstances, how we speak. We can react on the basis of our emotions rather than revelation. Let me ask you this. Is what you feel, does what you feel ever become more important to you than God's truth? It shouldn't. God's Word is God's Word. Your emotions, your emotions are not the authority you're to follow. Do you ever look at the circumstances of your life from that imperfect and distorted perspective of your own understanding before considering the perfect perspective of God's truth? Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And what? Lean not unto thine own understanding. You ever impatient like Peter? Becoming anxious when things don't go as you thought they would. You ever get tired of waiting for the Lord's deliverance in a particular situation and go about implementing or devising your own deliverance? We're good at that. We're real good at that. Peter had to learn to wait on the Lord's deliverance. And we do too. We all probably know this verse, but Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. So Paul, or Peter, acted and spoke impatiently, impulsively, too quickly. But he understood spiritual truth too slowly. 
Thankfully, not too late. You know, Peter's life teaches us that it's never too late to learn truth and to get a hold of it. Um, We fail to understand many times God's truth, God's message, because maybe we're impatient like we saw already. Maybe it's because we're not paying attention as we should. You know, we all find what we're looking for many times when we look at circumstances. I'll give you this illustration. I enjoy golf. I enjoy watching golf on a Sunday afternoon. And my wife's not a big sports fan. But sometimes she'll be looking over my shoulder and watching the golf game unfold. And earlier this year, I was watching the Masters at Augusta. And, it's, man, it's a beautiful course. And so, you know, I'm, I'm keyed in. I'm watching the, the intensity of the golfers, the competition. You know, they're, they're stealing nerves to make some of the, uh, you know, incredible shots. I'm just all about the competition. And my wife is looking at the TV screen, and, and she exclaims. She says, wow, those flowers are beautiful. <laughs> And it's a beautiful course. I'm thinking, aren't you paying attention? This is not, it's not about the flowers. You know? It's not about the scenery. It's about the game. Um, the fact is, we see what we want to see. But you know what? We need to see what God wants us to see. In James 1.19, we read, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to what? To hear. And that hearing implies hearing with a view to understanding. I want to hear God's word. I want to have him speak to my heart. I want to know what he's saying to me. You know, what what, what does the word of God say? What does it mean? What is God saying to me? Those are some questions we ought to be asking ourselves every time we open the word of God. I trust you're in the habit of doing that, not just going through your devotional time as a routine. I trust you never pick up the Word of God, but that you're praying in your heart and saying, God, I need something today. I need you to show me something from your Word. And not seeking our own understanding in it. That's a fleshly understanding. There's a wisdom that the Bible says is earthly, it's sensual, And it's devilish. But there's another wisdom that comes from above. And that's God's wisdom. And that's the wisdom that we're instructed in James chapter 1 and verse 5 to ask for. If we ask for and we seek that wisdom, God will give to us liberally the wisdom that that we need. So uh, Peter spoke and acted impulsively, impatiently. He understood things too slowly. Thank the Lord at the end of the day, though he might have been a slow learner, when he got it, he really got it. Praise the Lord. You know, there's hope for all of us. Amen? That's right. We need to hear things over and over and over again, sometimes before they really sink in. Uh, Peter also, at this point in his life, he prayed too little. Do you recall how Jesus had gone into Gethsemane? Who'd accompanied him there? The three of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Jesus went off to pray for a while. He came back. Where did he find those boys? They were snoozing, weren't they? 
And uh, he said, what, could you not watch with me for one hour? You couldn't pray? Peter prayed too little. He slept too much. We need to, we need to be on our knees. We need to be in prayer. And it is an absolute spiritual law of God that any believer who neglects the study of God's Word and neglects fellowship with Him in prayer will not be the effective disciple that he or she needs to be. I mean, that's simplistic. I mean, that's really the ABCs of the Christian life, but it's true. Peter was like Elijah, who was brave when facing the 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah, but who after he left that mountaintop of victory, he floundered in fear and actually ran from that woman Jezebel, fearing what she might do to him. Peter was a living illustration of Paul's Admonition in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And it's a reality of our Christian lives. It's a reality of our discipleship that when we feel the least vulnerable, when we feel like as believers, we're the most complete that we could be. That at that very moment, we may just be the most vulnerable. Open to Satan's attack. So this is the disciple that we're dealing with. We can learn a lot of lessons just from Peter's life. Let's move on. Let's talk about the distance. He followed afar off. You know, if you, if you thought when you, you heard the title of this message, following afar off, it's not going to be all about criticizing Peter, it's not. Because there was something within Peter that I like, even in that statement that he followed afar off. There was something about Peter that, you know, his discipleship was indecisive, yes. He faltered. His flesh failed him. He couldn't pray like he ought to. He even faltered to the point that he denied the Lord Jesus three times. But there's something about the spirit of this man that says, I do not want to put between me and Jesus any distance where that relationship is unrecoverable. For fear, for failing of his flesh, he said, I'm not, I, I, I just can't be right there with Jesus. I'm going to step, step back, take a step back. I'm not going to let him out of my sight because I know at the end of the day I, I need my Savior. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? I think that's a mark of a true disciple, an indecisive one, yes. That's a true disciple. We go through periods of time in our Christian experience where we feel ourselves dropping back a little bit in our walk with God. But if we're saved, if we love the Lord Jesus in our heart, there's that, that desire that says, I, I can't put 
unrecoverable distance between me and the Lord. I just, I might be falling afar off, but I can't get too far off. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're right now following afar off. That's not a good thing, but it's not an altogether bad thing if you realize in your heart where you are and say, you know what, I need to get back closer to Jesus. I'm following a little too far off. I need to get back to where I once was. I need to have that close walk with Him. And at the end, even after three denials, you know something about Peter? He was within eye contact of Jesus. Yes, he was. And the Bible says in Luke 22, verse 61, that the Lord turned and he looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Peter denied three times. I was going to talk a little bit more about the denials tonight. I think I'm just going to leave that alone and dwell on this now. Peter had denied the Lord three times. I mean, he'd even cursed. Sworn. Jesus didn't have to say anything to Peter. You notice that? It says the Lord turned and he looked upon Peter. And and there's something about, you know, they say the eyes are the window to the soul. You ever remember that as a child? You know, you, you disobeyed mom or dad. And, you know, when they called you up on the carpet, what, what did you try and do? You tried to avoid eye contact. Because their, their eyes, mom and dad, they'd look you right through your entire being. <laughs> you try and avoid the eye contact. Imagine then the eyes of the Lord Jesus looking upon Peter. And how that gaze must have burned right down into his heart and soul. And I believe that look of Jesus was a look of compassion. A look with some some hurt, some disappointment in Peter, to be sure. I don't think there was any anger in that gaze. Jesus looked at him. Peter remembered what Jesus had said before. And it burned right into his heart and soul, and he went out and wept bitterly. Do you think Peter was repentant at that moment? I believe he was. If you're following afar off, this is the answer. You just need to get close enough to Jesus that Jesus can look you in the eye as it were. You see the heart of the Lord for you. And it'll melt your heart. And you repent. And say, oh God, forgive me for following afar off. Forgive me for my indecisive, inconsistent discipleship. You know, if we're ever going to 
We talk about reaching our cities and our country and our world. If we're ever going to do that, we can't follow Jesus so far off. We've got to be loving Him, walking with Him, abiding in Him. And so that's the lesson from Peter tonight. And I, I, I trust it's, it's helpful, it's encouraging to you. And uh, certainly is a call for some self-examination. May God, may God bless His Word tonight. Let's go ahead and we'll have a word of prayer. pastor will come in just a moment. We'll have an invitation. Very simple message tonight. As we bow our heads and our hearts before the Lord, let's just allow God to to search our hearts. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to us. Allow His Word to convict us. Father, You're good to us. Lord, we get our eyes off You so easily. We follow You, but not as closely as we ought to. Lord, I pray that we'll learn something here from the life of Peter. We'll learn something about a more complete and decisive discipleship. Lord, draw us just closer to you. Lord, if there's any sin in our lives tonight, I pray that you'd help us to confess and forsake that and walk close with you as we ought. Thank you again, Lord, just for an opportunity to be here with God's people. Be here with this dear church family. And Lord, meditate on what you have for us. And I pray that, Lord, if there's decisions that need to be made this evening, that uh, your Holy Spirit will work in our hearts until those things come to fruition. And we ask it and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.